0: Hello, 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 it's episode 25 of Playing It Wrong, the podcast about how to do D&D wrong. Well, no, I just do stuff about D&D. But, we're going to have a fun episode this time, because it's number 25, and that should be really special. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ramble about a lot of stuff and mention some stuff I mentioned before. And it's been a rainy weekend here in Texas, and, well, the dogs have been cooped up, so they are here as a live studio audience, and they're, well, they were frolicking, now they're just laying on the floor looking at me with very sad eyes of, why aren't we outside playing? Because it's raining, puppies, that's why. Well all right, one of the things going around the LSR Anchor Sphere this last week was note-taking and how people take notes. I suck at it. I take really bad GM notes, and um, they make no sense sometimes to even to me. So um, that's one thing i got to improve on, but I'll work on it. But I do have some other tricks and tips I want to pass on in regards to note-taking. One of the things is the GM you're always stuck with having to remember, especially at early levels, of that mysterious potion that the player characters picked up. Here's my fix on that. Envelopes and index cards. You write down what the potion is on the card, you put it in the envelope, you seal it, and then you put the description of the potion on the envelope. Or, you can do it the other way around. Just put a bunch of envelopes and put the description on the envelope so you don't even know what it is until the characters either drink it or find a way to identify it. This way you don't have to keep those extra notes. And remember that five sessions ago they picked up a black potion and it just turns out to be a potion of healing, or something like that. The other thing I want to talk about, notes, is... I'm currently playing a Call of Cthulhu game, and our game master for that did a really, really good thing, because not only are GM notes important, so are player notes. And what he did was he made a folder for each of the players with extra character sheets, character cheat sheets, and note paper and it was a nice folders, with little prongs in it so you could put in a notebook paper. He gave every player one so that, that all the stuff they really needed reference material places to keep notes and for my white box campaign i'm probably going to do something similar of have like one folder for the player to keep notes and since we're going to want old school and they got to learn some old school stuff there's gonna be some graph paper in there so they can learn how to make maps yeah i mean like that and speaking of white box and well we'll talk about projects too they've got going on I'm still working on that white box campaign that's going to come up after I'm done playtesting that uh, setting for Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells. So uh, I'll have a couple more blog posts on that coming up this week, so stay tuned for that. Yay! And speaking of yay, we do have a call in from the Dice Man to the Dicer Screaming, another wonderful anchor cast. So listen to those guys talk and listen to what they've got to say about dumb things people have done in their games. Hey, this is the Dicer Screaming, the Dicemen. This is Randy. And Mike. And we just listened to your stupidest things players have ever said to you. Three of the top three. And we have one of our own. <laughs> and this one's uh, an old friend of ours. Many long years ago, in a uh, fit of enthusiasm, had a monk that he was very proud of and had read the legends of uh, Forgotten Realms monks who leap onto the backs of Remorhas. Uh you know, to ride them uh, as part of their final training and mastery. Needless to say, this cat had had none of that training. And so what we got was a brave leap off of a cliff onto the back of a ramorhas, resulting in a monk fritter being dragged beneath the ice, fried beyond recognition, lost for all time. Got to be the stupidest thing we've ever seen a player tell us. Yep, 10 to 100 points of damage. All right, we're out. Talk to you later. That's as close as I can get to the "the more you know sound. You know what I'm talking about. Ah, uh, uh, thanks for calling in, guys. Yeah, players do some of the stupidest things. And as a player, I've done some pretty dumb things in my time. So, none of us are immune to abject acts of complete and total stupidity that aren't in our self-interest. But they make the game so entertaining. And like I said before, thanks for calling in, and hey, if anybody out there is not listening to the Dicer Screaming, you really should, because it's a real fun podcast, listen to these guys. Yes, you may see OSR, but hey, OSR isn't that far from 5e, and that's what the meat of this episode here is about, the OSR and 5e again. Yes, I know, I did blog posts on this. Yes, I know, I think I did like episode one or two on this, but I want to revisit it again. (coughs) Why? Well, because... Colin Green of Spike Pit did some talking about it, and I don't remember exactly what he said because I go and binge listen to podcasts at work, and I scribble down notes on a post-it at work, and I just put a note of Colin and 5e and talk about 5e, and I got interested about talking about 5e, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but here's what I'm going to say. And I know even I was guilty of this at the beginning when uh, 5th edition D&D first came out. I wanted to kind of do this mixing together of 5e and OSR stuff and try to wiggle stuff around and make it more 5e and it just it didn't when I finally realized practically everything you need to make 5e feel a lot more like a OSR is already in there the first of course is the feats some people hate feats some people like feats the feats for 5e are optional that's right there in the player's handbook but the meat of making it easier is in the dmg and let me dig mine out let's start off right here in the introduction on page four the D rules help you and the other players have a good time but the rules aren't in charge you're the dm and you are in charge of the game that really harkens back to the old, good old rule zero and rulings not rules and the DM can design the world and have the game go the way they want to. That being said, we need dig back further in the DMG. For this, we go to chapter 9, the Dungeon Master's Workshop. Where, in the first sentence, it plainly tells you, as the Dungeon Master, you aren't limited by the rules in the player's handbook, the guidelines in this book, or the selection mo- of monsters in the Monster Manual. So, you can bend the rules the way you want to. Now, the two main things in this chapter are the skill variants, where you just drop skills and use ability scores, like many OSR games. And the other is adjusting that healing rate, because, as you may know, in 5e, a knight's worth of rest gets you back all your hit points, which is really fast, but really doesn't matter because clerics can heal so damn much. Now, I know it goes way beyond that, than more of those few little, things, few little things, but it's a start. Now, you're going to say, all right, I know somebody out there is going to say, but 5e is not OSR. You are most certainly right, Is not. But it can come sort of close in its own weird way, but it's still going to be 5e unless you overhaul everything from spells and everything else. So I just look at it as a totally different game. Now I did do a blog post about this oh, a few months ago, and I'm going to just kind of reiterate what I said there quick and dirty. Um, basic changes that I did to 5e to do a OSR, or more, more OSR style game, we'll call it that, is get rid of every cantrip that does damage or heals. One, boom. As far as feats go, you know, I kind of like the idea of them, so the idea was you drop the human, you get a feat at first level instead. Every player character gets a feat at first level, but that's the only feat they get. No feat trees, no bunch of feats, just that one feat. That helps define the character more. It's the only one we have to worry about. Now, that doesn't change much, and as at its essence, five E will still be five E. It's what it is. Live with it and don't try to make it a retro clone. But you know which is kind of contrary to what I've been saying this entire time, but it's not. You can make it feel a little bit more like it to fit your tastes, but it still is what it is. That's not a bad thing, it's just like I said, that's the way it is. It's I feel it's a good game. It's a fun game. It's just not the same, but you can make it a little similar. Now, I know I've been singing the praises of 5e here really quick and easy and say, oh, it's a wonderful game. Don't you like the OSR games? As a DM, yes, there's one important thing where OSR games beat the crap out of 5e, especially as a DM. Just look at the monster stat blocks. That's it. Just look at it. Go to swords and wizardry. Uh... Light core white box, go to basic fantasy, labyrinth lord, any one of those, and just look at the monster stat block compared to a 5e stat block. Now, the 5e stat blocks are not as bad as the 3rd edition stat blocks, and I don't even remember what the 4th edition stat blocks look like. But as a DM, the simple, straightforward stat blocks in the Osiris clones make the DM's job so much easier. Now, there's another thing that 5e kind of has also inherited from, I will say, 3rd and 4th, and that's what I'm calling escalation. Now, if you remember right, I mean, if you're listening, you probably know this already. Back in the day, magic users had a d4 hit die, then they got escalated up to d6. Rogues used to have a d4 too. They got escalated up to d6 and then up to a d8. So, there's kind of this escalation in character hit points, because monsters were killing characters too often. Of course, then, so you gave characters, so they gave characters more hit points, followed by escalation of abilities, doing characters doing more damage to monsters, giving monsters more hit points, so they can survive getting hit by characters, and you just the the cycle of bigger and bigger numbers that, in essence, don't mean anything extra. It just means you've got bigger numbers that you're bouncing back and forth. Once again, here's where I think OSR clones hit it a little better than 5e. Okay, see, I'm loving and bashing two things at once, so either I'm going to make everyone mad or everyone happy, or I don't know. I'll probably make everyone mad because I both bashed and praised two games that I like in the same podcast, and the internet is not for thinking like that. Basically what I'm saying here is both are good games. Both are fun games, but both are different. I'm going to go back to my good old food food analogies. Uh, One's pulled pork and one's smoked brisket. I love both of them, but I know they're totally different. toast totally different and have different uses. And I prepare them differently, which I've done over the last couple weeks. But anyway, enough about that. So that kind of sums up my rant on 5e, the OSR, again, even though I did this earlier on. I don't know. But right now you're going to have to excuse me for a little bit because I'm getting the sad whine of I need to go outside and pee. No, that's not me. That's the dog. Ah, that was an interesting break. Yes, a good break in the rain. So it was time for pee, poo, and brush out the dogs because, well, we've got two and one of them a boxer corgi mix. And while she has short hair, she sed- sheds like freaking crazy. Anyway, it's that time of the show where I'm going to start wrapping things up here. First, um... I really want a wish list on Anchor for the app. Well, maybe it's on the app, I know it's not on the desktop. Uh, How about a freaking pause button, because it would make my life so much easier. Also I want to do a big shout out to Larry at Follow Me and Die. He's having a great success, not only with his Anchor cast, but also for his first product up on RPG Now. And note to self, actually send Larry a message and tell him that. Also coming up, uh, you know, I think I'm going to start trying to do uh, two episodes a week. make them a little shorter than the, the 15 to 20 minutes that I've been aiming for, but who knows? It's going to be as long as it takes for me to say whatever I want to say. So two podcasts a week, two blog posts a week. That's a pretty good goal because I used to do a hell of a lot more, but uh, real life got really crazy. and well, Things fell by the wayside, and real life took precedence, and, well, not been as interactive as I should have been with the greater RPG community. Uh, which, note to self, also do more of that, too. So, thanks for listening, and I know this was supposed to be a special 25th episode, but it really turned into kind of a really long rambling rant, and kind of, that's what I'm doing with these things. Rambling what I feel about. Alright, you know the drill. Here's the end credits. And thanks for listening. Please visit the blog at amightbegazebos.blog. That's amightbegazebos.blog. And the letter B, not be spelled out or visit us on Facebook and just search for They Might Be Gazebos. Ask us questions and you might get an answer. If not, we'll just make up the questions and the answers. Remember, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have fun. Intro music is Metal Mania by Kevin MacLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 attribution license. Please visit his website at incompetech.com. That's incompetech.com. Really, visit it. There's also Downloadable graph paper and hex paper. Additional sound effects from freesound.org used under Creative Commons 01.0 Universal License.